So it's Sunday the 1st of April uh, 2015, uh, this is the Gradually Club podcast. Uh, Kate Copstick is terribly ill in bed and feeling dizzy, but then she always was fairly dizzy. Uh, so I'm John Fleming and this is Lewis Schaefer with me. And we, we were talking about what we could possibly discuss. We could discuss Copstick being attacked on Facebook. Or we could discuss uh, Chortle, the comedy website, uh, charging uh, people to actually get reviews in Edinburgh. Uh, but as, as it's Lewis Schaefer, we're obviously just going to ramble on about Lewis Schaefer. No, we got to discuss those things. It's like you show the gun, they show the gun in the first scene. You've got to use it by the third. I, you know that saying about no. uh, about movies or plays. If you have a gun in the first act, you've got to show it by the third act. But you're Lewis Schaefer. You're only going to talk about Lewis Schaefer. Well, I'll talk about me getting reviews. I didn't get a review last year from Chortle. It might be worth. I don't know if it's worth two hundred and fifty pounds to get the review. But it's, you're not. You're not just paying two hundred and fifty pounds. You're getting two hundred and fifty pounds where the chortle advertising, I think they're just being honest because everyone knows if pretty much you're going to get a review if you bought 250 pounds worth of advertising in chortle. Yeah, but it's like someone saying, uh, well, if you pay me 250 pounds, you can choose what uh, subject I write about. You can't choose the words, but you can choose the subject. So I, I pay them 250 pounds and they have to write about John Fleming in comedy. Um, so there's no editorial uh, control then? You're uh, giving over editorial control to someone else? No, you're not. You're just, you're just saying that a space will be made available for you, but that doesn't... I guarantee you, knowing S- Steve Bennett, he will probably give out worse reviews if he thinks that you're trying to buy him, him out. He's, he's a proper English guy. He's not going to give away a nice review. But I think... I think it's the most honest thing I've heard. And he actually is a, he actually is a professional journalist. He, he, he's an honest a man with integrity, God help us all. I think he, needs, he needed to say that because I, don't, I think comedians are so stupid they didn't really understand how the, how the world works. Well, someone did tell me. I don't, I don't know this is true. Someone told me you could actually buy in, in at least one of the, uh, the broadsheets, the big uh, serious newspapers, £1,000 you can buy a review space. Um, I don't know if that's true. I know when I was in advertising sales... Back in New York, um, I audition. I met some guy who has magazine. He had, a, he had a newspaper which entirely was geared towards people buying newspaper articles and and um, and profiles of successful um, business people, so they could be they could be in print. And for, I think for a thousand dollars. He, he would send a writer to write something nice about, and it would be in this newspaper. I think it's just very, very common. Well, this will be news to people. You actually had a job. I actually had a job. And, and we would go. I, we would go. I used to work for this publication that uh, was in the graphic design field. And whenever I noticed that uh, a particular product was shown in the, in the editorial, I would call up them and tell them, call up the company and tell them that they could have... Uh, that they should put an ad, and they thought it was contingent on it being in the uh, publication, and it wasn't. It was just it was just uh, a heads up. So, so why, how come you're not still an advertising man? How come? Because I did advertising the same way I do stand-up comedy. I lose my interest halfway through. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I never complete the sale. I was good for a little bit, and then uh, and then I just lost interest in the whole thing. Like everything I do, I just lost int- lose interest. Like in the show that I did tonight, I just lost interest for a while. Did you notice that, John? I thought you were fading losing interest. 
I really had lost interest. I just said, oh, okay, like, like you said in the first quarter of the show, it was brilliant. And then I thought, okay, I've made them laugh. Now it's time to do something else. I just, I just thought uh, I should do something else. And then I came to my senses a little bit later. I thought, well, I better, I better be funny. Otherwise, these people are not going to, are not going to be happy with me. But Cockstick and I were going on about how you, you, you built your whole career on. Oh, I am not, I'm not a success. But now you're charging ten quid to see shows. You, they're not free anymore. And and uh, you know, you, you'd be worryingly close to being successful. First of all, it's ten quid in a basement, not even in the main room of the Leicester Square Theatre. Okay, it's ten quid. The increasingly prestigious Leicester Square Theatre. It is. It's amazing. I'm honored to be here. I love that I'm here. I love everyone that's here. But it's only ten quid. I've got friends who are so successful. They're millionaires, and and I would not call. I would say after twenty three years, if you call this success, John Fleming, then I question. I question what you what you think success is. What do you think success is, John? Not being me. Not being you. Well, I've done a good job of not being you, but I think success is not being me. So to me, you're a success. So, so what's, what would, if, if you were successful, what would you be? I would be the next thing that whatever I'm doing now. What, sitting around not doing very much? No, what I'm, whatever it is, whatever happens next, whatever, that thing, whatever the thing after that is, is what would success be. No, I'm not explaining this properly. What is success to me would be, would be charging 11 pounds <laughs> and having a few more. You can laugh at this, John. <laughs> having a few more people in. Whatever it is, it's always more. That's what success is in life. I don't feel successful. But you've just had your 58th birthday. No, no great secret. No, and that's what gives it a sense of urgency. I'm two years away from having a bus pass. Every time I, every time I go on a bus, I think to myself, would I give up two years of my life to get a free bus pass? And the answer is yes. <laughs> but can you get a bus pass? Are you a British citizen? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a resident. Of course I can. Have you paid national insurance? Yeah, for 10, ten years. And a <coughs> minimum amount. So, so when your career ends, which of course you, you will never end, you will never die, you will just go you know, and be successful. So, this is so weird because this is going to be podcast instead of just a discussion that you can chop up, which makes me seem more interesting. I don't want to do this now because I've just realized that you make me seem so interesting, John. So what you're telling me is you've lost interest in this likely act. I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here now because I'm not going to be as interesting. You, you've single-handedly made me interesting. I made you, I can break you, and this is where I break you. you yeah, I'm going to be broken. I'm just going to say, that Lewis Schaefer's not that funny. He's always writing about jo Lewis Schaefer, and he makes Lewis Schaefer seem so interesting, and now listen to him. He can't even string a sentence together. But you do, you do. I don't. And that, that, even, that isn't even a sentence itself. Can't even string a sentence together. It'll be two sentences together. When people listen to it, they're going to find the inconsistency. They're going to say, this guy, Lewis Schaefer, this is where my career ends right now. So what happened? I blogged about uh, about you. I mean, when at what point did you suddenly decide I'm not going to be an advertising person? I'm going to be a stand-up comedian for heaven's sake. Um, why? Why? Because because it was 19, 19, It was the early '90s, and I was trying to get a job selling advertising space, and no one wanted me because they were sensible. They could see the desperation. They could see the insanity, and I was flat broke. I went to a. Uh, I was going to a psychiatrist in New York, at the Payne Whitney. Uh, clinic, Payne Whitney Hospital, part of New York Hospital, and I was paying ten dollars 
a session. I was going to a discount psychiatrist. <laughs> and I couldn't even afford it. Couldn't even afford it. I was paying it, I was paying it on credit cards. I, was, I had like 20 or 30 credit cards that I was maxing, maxing out. And, um, and I'd go to the psychiatrist, and uh, I, I spent the... He, he said to me, he said, he said Louis, you're, you know, you're depressed, and if you want, I can get you $800 a month. You just have to go, and, and I'll sign the form for you to say you're depressed. And, um, and I said, of course I'm depressed. I'm not working. I have no girlfriend. I have $100,000 in credit card debt, and I'm going to be evicted from my flat. <laughs> of course I'm depressed. If, I, if that had happened today, I would have said, I wish I had an airplane to fly into the side of a mountain. <laughs> okay. So I, I said to him, no. I said to him, no, if it, at that moment, I could have been labeled as a depressive. Why, why were you going to the psychiatrist, apart from the fact you're an American and all Americans do, if you didn't, all, want, all to get, if yeah. you didn't want to get $800 a month for being depressive? I just wanted someone to talk to. <laughs> so, just, so that's your career, talking to audiences? Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't doing comedy at the time, so I would go and talk to him, and I would try to make him laugh. And... Uh, and or I would try to see the inconsistency of his, of his advice, whatever he said. And I would try to drive him crazy. I literally would try, and I, I reached a point where he was so fed up with me. I was, he had, there was a really pretty girl who was working in the, uh, in the reception, as a receptionist there. Girl, woman, she was a woman. And I, I would just, I would hit on her. And she made a formal complaint against me because I was flirting with her. When you're in a psych psychiatrist's office and you're not famous and it's a discount psychiatrist's office, women do not like to be flirted with. Okay, now I can flirt with anybody because, oh, Louis Schaefer, the great performer. But at that time, that was like the lowest I'd ever been. Okay, when, when a woman who was a receptionist, nothing wrong with being a receptionist, but this woman, she made a complaint. The psychiatrist made, said to me that I should stop I should stop that. He got quite angry with me. And I thought, I thought this was like really inappropriate because I'm here for psychiatric help, okay? And he's, I'm obviously mental. He shouldn't criticize me for acting mental. I'm mental. He treated me like I was a normal person. And uh, so I was so low, and I had a friend of mine who I met, in, uh, met a few years before in real estate school who was very successful, or seemed successful. He was successful. And uh, he would goad me every single day because I was home during the daytime and he was home trading. And he would, uh, trading whatever those, I don't know, you know, the numbers and stuff. Futures. Futures and stuff like that. And um, um, he was a day trader. And so he had no one, you know, I was, the, I was his friend. He would talk to me every day. And I, he would say to me, what do I, I want to do? And he did more good than the psychiatrist because he found out that I always wanted to be a stand-up comic. But I was afraid that if I'd done stand-up comedy and I wasn't successful, I would be... The one thing that I thought I was good at, I would not be good at. Okay. But now you claim to have done stand-up comedy and claim not to be successful for 12 years, 23 years. Well, that's a good point. All right, so you're seeing the inconsistency of my life story. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's the inconsistency. I've, I don't think I've, I've done stand-up comedy, but I don't think I've made a living at stand-up. I'm basically uh, 
I don't make a living at stand-up comedy. Well, you do. What are you doing? Blackmailing people to make a living? No, I've got people. I've got people living in my flat. What sort of people? I've got tenants living in my flat. What sort of people? I've got foreigners and local people living in my flat. Nothing wrong with being a foreigner. In this country, I think there is. No, there's nothing wrong. Thank God, thank God for uh, mass immigration. Anyway, how, how, long, how long were you in psychiatry in America? Why am I telling you this? I need, I need a handler. You're my handler, John. No, wrangler is the word, wrangler. No, it's a handler. I'm not, not handling you, Lewis. You're wrangling information out of me. Yeah, but I'm not handling what, you. What it's, do you want dirty. from me? What do you want from me? I want about another 20 minutes. Um, okay. <laughs> is this interesting, do you think? I don't know. That's for the audience to decide, isn't it? They probably walked out by now. Yeah, I'm, I'm bored, bored listening to myself. But you're always... I hate podcasts like this. The, these things, are they're, they're, to, they're so irrelevant. Everybody's got a podcast. There's no sense of urgency. There's, you know, we can always redo it if it's, if it's horrible. I can always tell you, don't send it out. I shouldn't say this to you, John, because this is your artistic expression. I mean, I approve, I approve of what you write because that's true art. This is not art. This is just, this is, um, it's going to be sanitized because even if I say something that's totally offensive, the fact that I've allowed you to put it out. But, but you don't, unless you pay me 250 quid, you can't <laughs> tell me to put it out. No, but I can't tell you to put it out, but... I'm allowing you to pull it, to put it out. But that, you couldn't stop me, though. No, I, no, I couldn't stop you. But when people hear this, you're not listening to what I'm saying. When people hear it... I, I have made a living of not listening to what you say. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can make a living out of it. You, can, you, can't, you won't go broke. <laughs> what do you want to know? I want to know more about the psychiatry things. We've never talked about this. Yeah. You, your mother was in a, a, a mental home. Yeah. For what? For being a woman. Back in the day, they institutionalized women. They institutionalized women who wanted, who wanted happiness, I guess, and who had a little too much excitement in their lives, who were too excitable. But why was she really in a home? Well, she was diagnosed with bipolar manic depressive, depressive illness. It, was, it wasn't called bipolar back then. It was a chemical imbalance. They used to say she has a chemical imbalance. I've got a chemical imbalance right now. I don't have enough gold and silver. <laughs> But what, what it, you know, I have an obsession about what is it about comedians? They do have mental problems. I suppose because if, if they were just normal, then no one would want to listen to someone who's exactly like them. So they want to listen to someone who, who can relate to them but who isn't like them. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. It has nothing to do with what people want. It's about what the comedian wants. It's nothing about what the audience wants, but what the comedian wants. The reason why the comedian is the comedian is because, and why he's got a mental problem, because it's only someone with a mental, only with someone, a comedian is someone. Like people always say actors and comedians are the same. They're not the same. An actor is someone who wants attention. They didn't get paid attention to, so they don't care whether they're perceived as being the, the criminal, the evil doer on stage, or, the, um, or Mr. Nice Guy. But the comedian wants to be liked at all costs. So the, com the actor says, hey, Ma, pay attention to me. The comedian says, hey, Ma, stop hitting me. And I feel like I was abused as a child and ignored. How abused? Well, not abused that way. Yeah. Not yeah. abused that way. But uh, I, was, I felt like, uh, I, felt like I, was, <coughs> I was constantly being chased around the house. I remember my mother chasing me around the house, throwing stuff at me, you know? <laughs> Why? Because she was always so angry at me all the time, you know? She was like, just, I was getting on her nerves. 
Why? Because uh, because she didn't want to be living in. She wanted to be living in this town, this sort of nice town. That was her lifelong dream to live there. She got there, and she 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 had no friends. The, the social pressure was unbelievable. Where were you, Great Neck? Great Neck, Great Neck, Long Island, New York. We why, weren't even the richest people in Great Neck. Why, why was the social pressure great? Because it was made up of all these people from Great from uh, Brooklyn. They all came from Brooklyn, and they all got a few dollars in their pocket. They they were immigrants who made some money, um, and then so after the war, they moved to these new houses or these older houses in this nice community, uh, away from Brooklyn. And uh, and the the whole the whole social structure was gone, and uh, some some didn't make it out alive. I guess I hadn't thought about it. Didn't make it out alive. Well, like my mother, she just it just drove her crazy. All these people, these these people in Great Neck, they've got a reputation. These Great Neck yentas, they've got a reputation of people who are um, who are strivers, who are trying to be something that they're not. But there are quite a few comedians from Great Neck, aren't there? Well, uh, yeah, quite a few comedians. Such as? Such as, um, I only know one, <laughs> um, Andy Kaufman. Mm. Who, who was strange, it has to be said. Very strange. I don't know if he was strange. He, he, he was, he was um, an artist. Like your good self? No, I wouldn't call myself an artist. What would you call yourself? I'd call myself a failed comedian who's perceived as being artistic because it's because it there's enough laughs in there, but there's not enough laughs. There's enough laughs. There's not enough laughs. I think the time is to, you have to choose now, I think. I don't know. If there were enough laughs, they'd call me a comedian. They do call you a comedian. No, they don't. Who? Who are they? There aren't enough laughs. I listen to my show. There's not enough laughs in it. There's more awkwardness than laughter. But you play for the awkwardness sometimes. You're constantly insulting people. Therefore, you're playing for the awkwardness. Okay, so... Uh, I I hate you. You're you're a terrible audience. I hate you. You English are all all ghastly. Well, I wouldn't use the word ghastly. That's your word. Well, you just, say it, you just say it in an old way, ghastly. Yes, I wouldn't say that. I've, like never, I've never used the word ghastly. That is the gayest word. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ghastly. Oh, ghastly. You've got to touch your chest when you say that. And what happened today? The audience went away thinking you were gay, I think, because the whole third of the show, you were pretending to be gay. I do that all the time. That's my act, just to bother people. What? And it also works as a comedy... They didn't think that. No, I think, well, I think for the first 15 minutes they probably thought it. Well, that's what they do. Let them think whatever they want to think. I mean, I was struggling today because I've, been, I've, done, I've done nothing on my act recently. So I've got, I don't know what, what I'm going to do for Edinburgh, for the Edinburgh Festival. Well, you don't have an act, you don't have a show, do you? Because we've discussed this before, that I reckon you've got about 10 or 12 hours of material and you, you shuffle it around and add in new things because you know exactly who's coming into the show. And if you more than most comedians, you play off the your whole, your whole show is playing off the specific audience, isn't it? Well, the reason I play off of them is because I use them as a mnemonic device because I can't remember the jokes that I'm going to tell. So I have to look at the audience and like I look at somebody and I say, okay, that's that joke I'll tell. Okay, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't add new material. Well, you do add new material. I do add new material, but I think I think I've got a lot of like these. I'm at. What happens with my, the way I work as a comedian is 
is I need to sit down and actually put all of the new bits together and actually make a conscious effort to say the new bits. Otherwise, I'll, I'll, forget, I'll, I'll forget them. But you do have an entourage of the ladies sitting around sort of noting down things during your show, don't you? Yes, I do. Which I believe Michael McIntyre does. Michael McIntyre, I think, does trial runs of his shows and people write down where the laughs are, I oh, think. Oh, of course they all do. Well, so, yeah. does, uh, so do Joan Rivers do that. Yeah. Of course you're going to have somebody following you around, making notes of the jokes. Well, no, of course. Re- Reg, Reg had that when I worked with him in... Uh, Reg Hunter. Yeah, Reg Hunter. When I worked with him at, uh, at the Arts Theatre, which is, used to be owned by Martin, Martin Witts. Um, yeah, you got to have somebody. Not you got to, but I think that's... that's Who was I'm honoured honored that I have that, and I'm lucky that I have that. And you've had about three uh, academic treatises written about you. But, I mean, uh, someone said to me... I can't and remember. I've got a personal blogger, you. <laughs> well, Bob Slayer says that as well. Yeah, he calls you a personal blogger. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind, I'm not jealous. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, I, have I asked you not only to be my, uh, my one? Well, you started a blog, didn't you? And you didn't keep it up? I kept it up for three months. There were 120 blogs. I should say that. In fact, you do do an occasional one. Yeah. And I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want... I don't want to. What happened was because of time constraints, a lot of them weren't that funny, and a lot of them were too deeply uh, antagonistic to people, and that's not my job as, so as a comedian. That's being antagonistic. But with a laugh and not and not being serious. Will Rogers says that you're only is a, you're dead as a comedian when you take yourself seriously, and when the audience or when the audience takes you seriously. And for a while there, I was taking myself seriously, at least when I wrote it. Of course, later on, you know, I'm, I think, well, that's ridiculous that I wrote it. But nobody wants, to, nobody wants to have a serious comedian talking about serious things. Well, you sort of are a serious comedian, aren't you? I mean, you're, you, you're a social observer or something. But it has to be done in a certain way where the audience, where I'm not taking one side... But, um, I mean, your shtick really is uh, look, at, look at how terrible this country is, look at X, Y, and Z. And in fact, what you're saying is a joke, but it's also good observation. Well, that's what a joke is, is good observation. You can't tell a joke unless... You can't, it can't be a joke unless it's, it's observed cleanly. But the difference is when I say something on stage, it, it, you can see the twinkle in my eye, if I have a twinkle. And my <laughs> twinkle in my pants, if you can see the twinkle... <laughs> And you, you can see it, but when you when I'm writing it, a lot of people couldn't get the they can, couldn't get the the joke, like when I said that tiny little thing about Kate Copstick on Facebook on Facebook, right? And uh, and people are like they're agreeing with me, and it's like you, you you shouldn't agree with me. I'm disagreeing with you. Without going into this in any detail, you you were defending Copstick, and it looked as though you were attacking Copstick. Yeah. And I, I, I thought to myself, do I now do I now have to defend her even strong, stronger? Is that the right word? Strong, more strongly? Who knows? You're American. Yeah. Do I know? Do I now have to do that? And I just and I thought, oh Jesus, why did I even get involved in this? I wanted to get involved because I just because I just think the way that they're, they're treating her is inappropriate. You know, it's, I think it's, I think it's very easy nowadays. The 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 last refuge of the male chauvinist is to attack a woman for not being a feminist. Mm-hmm. 
Is that a good quote? That's a good quote. You, you, you quit very well, I think. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you chop and you cut out the, the hums and the haws. Oh, this is unedited, though. Yeah. Because it's too complicated to edit this. Right. Why would it be too complicated? It would take time. It's not worth it. Not worth the hassle. Not worth it. Well, certainly not with you, obviously. Yeah, for somebody yeah. else, it wouldn't worth the hassle. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> but because originally the Grouchy Club in Edinburgh, which is going to be on Edinburgh this year again with Copstick, was going to be with you, but you were so indecisive, uh, I, I had to go with Copstick. And, and, and joyous is, it is, too. Well, no, so you just insulted Copstick, saying she was your second choice. I know, but that's what you did by accident. Right. Uh, um, wait, but this year or last year? Well, when, when did it start off? Well, last year. It was last year. Yeah, it started last year, and then the original idea was that because your entire show basically is talking to the audience. Oh, it, isn't a, it isn't talking to the audience. I don't talk to the audience. I'm, very little in, I'm not interested in the audience very much. So, so what is your show? I don't know what my show is, but it's not about me talking to the audience. I'm not like Ross Noble. I don't get the comedy from the audience. What I get is I, get, I, get, I look at the audience, I find out what they are briefly, and then make a joke about what they are. Not make a joke. Usually have a joke that's related to them and who they are. It's, very, it's lazy comedy what I do. Oh, it's, it's clever jigsaw comedy, isn't it? I don't know what I do. What do I do? You tell me. Well, maybe, maybe. A diamond doesn't know why it sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be that, that cliche thing. If you actually examine what you do... You, I'm you, really tired, John. Do you know that? If you examine, this is going to come out sounding horrible. If you examine what you do and find out what it is, then you can't do it anymore. Um, I, th- I think I could because I'd find a way to, to mess it up, and that's what I do. Uh. If, I f- if I figure it out, I will, I will mess it up, and it'll be back to, back to what the way it was before. Well, Copstick's very ill in bed at the moment, so do you want to go and join Copstick in her bed? Um, would you give me a five-star review? <laughs> That's like, two, of course I would. 250 quid. Of course I would. Yeah. I would. She's, she's a darling. She's a sweet person, and, and she means well, and she's, she's, I think she's... I don't want to say anything nice about her, because it doesn't matter. She's already said the nicest thing she can say about me, so it's too late. Well, what's the nicest thing she can say about you? <sighs> She said it. She said, I want to go to every one of... I, some year I'm going to go to every one of his shows, you know, and, and document the journey. That's like... There's no other nice... You cannot say a nicer thing about a comedian than saying, I'd like to see every single show that you do, even though I know you're doing the same stuff that you did the night before, because I find it interesting. It, there's no higher compliment, I don't think. Can you think of one that's hard? Well, I think that's probably the end of the podcast. I think we should go off to bed now. Not together, obviously. Yeah, why not? Was I nice? Was I nice there? Was that nice?